This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, what a joy and privilege we have today to meditate on the little theological masterpiece, which is St. John's story of the healing of the man born blind. During this A cycle of Lent, we have the privilege of walking through some of the most powerfully crafted stories in the Gospel of John, and they're all about us. They're all about our own spiritual journey. As is always the case with St. John, this story is so artfully told. It's filled with symbolically important detail, and it operates at a number of levels at the same time. That's why anyone that's um, attuned to poetry or literature will love the Gospel of John, because you see that same kind of artfulness. As I say, the purpose of this story and all these stories in John is to change us. It's about an historical event, yes, indeed, but it's meant to change us now. So, Jesus notices a man blind from birth. We're dealing, as I say, with a real historical event, something which the Christian community remembered. This physical healing of a man who had never seen. But, but, any biblically attentive reader would know that we're also dealing here with an archetypal story of coming to spiritual vision. We are all meant to identify with the man born blind. Why? Because we've all been born blind through original sin. Sin which compromises the will and obscures the mind. We can overlook that. The mind is as affected by sin as the will is. We don't see things right. And the Bible loves to use that image of vision, darkness, light, blindness, etc., to signal all this. We're unable clearly to see the deepest truth of things, and this problem is in us from the beginning. We're all born blind. Now, when Jesus sees the suffering man, he says, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Wonderful. Jesus is the light by which we see the true nature of things. He's the light that provides vision. He's also the light by which we safely and correctly walk. How to see, how to move, how to act. You see, all of it is conditioned upon Jesus, who is the light of the world. Notice, too, something, and you see it a lot in the Gospel of John. There is very often a correlation with creation. John's Gospel begins, in the beginning was the Word. And of course, Bereshit in Hebrew is in the beginning. That's how the whole Bible commences. So John is often preoccupied with Jesus as 
the creative word of God. He recapitulates what you find, therefore, in Genesis. Well, what's the first thing that God makes? Let there be light. And there was light. That's why light is associated with God and the things of God. So, this will be a story of recreation, of making things new, of starting at the beginning again. Now, the link to creation is intensified by the next detail we come across. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. That's a peculiar detail, isn't it? They say in the first century that healers would often do things like this. They would say words or they would, say they would um, uh, perform certain moves. And one of them was this uh, you know, mixing of, of spittle with the ground. But there's more than that going on, isn't there? Because no first century Jew would have missed the allusion to Genesis. We hear in Genesis that God fashions the first human beings out of the clay of the earth. Remember, he makes almost like little figurines and he blows the breath of life into them. What's going on here now is a recapitulation of that. Now the Son of God, now the Word of God made flesh out of clay is going to restore the sight of the man born blind. He's going to restore creation, complete creation. That's his job. With this mud paste, he smears the man's sightless eyes. Here's a very interesting connection, I think. Our word salve, and think of the mud paste as kind of a salve. Well, that word's related to salus in Latin. That means health. But if you were addressing somebody, you're wishing them good health, you'd say salve. Spelled, by the way, the same way as our word salve, S-A-L-V-E, salve. The bearer of healing in Latin is called a salvator, the healer. Our word savior comes from that. All these words, salus, salve, salvator, savior, they all have the overtone of healing. We see how wonderful here, Jesus is bringing healing to the man. From out of his own substance, the, the spittle of Jesus coming out of his own inner life and mixing with the earth creates the salve which will bring his eyes back to sight. You see what's going on here now? It's very typical of John. It's a sort of immersion in Christ. It's being smeared with his self, with his creative power that brings sight back. Jesus then tells the man to wash in the pool of Siloam. It's a small reservoir of water in Jerusalem. And he comes back able to see. John adds, lest we miss this, that Siloam means scent. You say, well, that's kind of odd detail. Why would he mention that? Well, well, throughout John's gospel, Jesus refers to himself as the one who's been sent by the Father. Father, you who've sent me into the world. Therefore, the pool of Siloam, the pool of scent, is also a symbol of Christ. The man born blind, having been salved 
is now washed in the pool of Christ. No one's going to miss the reference to baptism. What's baptism but an immersion in Christ? Keep in mind now, as little children come to baptism, we recognize them as people born blind. They're born in the blindness of original sin. They are salved, aren't they? They're anointed. The priest that anoints the child will anoint him with chrism and with the oil of catechumens. He's salved and he's dipped into the water, which is symbolic of Christ's own life and his own power. You see what's going on here is a kind of baptism. It's a sort of immersion in Jesus Christ. Now, at this point, you say, well, the story has reached its climax. It's reached its point. In fact, though, it's just getting started. Because John wants us to see this physical healing as an invitation to spiritual sight. He's very interested that we see there's a connection here between what's happening physically and what's happening spiritually. Here's a first and I think extremely interesting clue. The answer when the uh, formerly blind man gives, when people wonder, well, is this really the same guy? You know, Some say, well, yeah, that's the one that was begging here for many years. Others say, no, no, that isn't really him. And the, the blind man with great simplicity says, in the Greek now, ego eimi. And it's translated properly as, I am it, I'm him, I'm the one. But you know what that means literally, ego eimi, is I am. Well, that's the word, that's the phrase that Jesus uses now up and down John's gospel. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. Ego eimi. Before Abraham was, ego eimi, I am. Well, see, what is that but an echo of the book of Exodus? When Moses asked God for his name, he says, he says, ego eimi ho'on, in the Greek version of it, I am who I am. How wonderful now that this blind man, having been salved by Christ, having been dipped into the water symbolic of Christ, now coming to vision, is able to identify with the very being of Jesus. I am. He's found a link to the divine life which is on offer in Jesus. Every baptized person becomes another Christ. We become Christified. And so we can say, in a derivative way, ego eimi, I am. Then we watch now, as his vision expands and deepens. The Pharisees, angry that Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, question the man. And he says very simply, well, the man they called Jesus rubbed mud on my eyes and caused me to see. When they press him, he says, this man must be a prophet. And see what's happening. As it begins, it's just this man, Jesus. But then his vision's deepening. This man is a prophet. When they argue with him further and they threaten him, he says, if this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. Ah, deeper vision still. First, he's just a man. Then he's a prophet. Then he's from God or of God. He's coming now, having found his physical vision, he's coming to deeper and deeper spiritual vision. Then, now here's where the story really comes to its climax. Finally, they're exasperated with him. They throw him out. 
Jesus finds him and asks, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The former blind man says, Well, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus says, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. Are you ready to accept the one, he's saying, who's more than a mere man, more than a mere prophet, more than merely someone who is from God, but rather the one who is God from God, light from light, true God from true God. You see, he's drawn the man now who's been salved and has been immersed, and he's coming to deeper vision. He's inviting him to see all that can be seen here. And so the man says, I do believe. And then he bows down and worships. See, that's the whole point of the story, isn't it? Yes, physical healing. Yes, the remaking of creation. Yes, indeed. But at the deeper level, coming to see spiritually who Jesus is. And we know he's seen clearly because he gets down and worships. He worships him as God. Remember something, too? Adam, in the book of Genesis, is the first priest because he walked in easy fellowship with God. What was sin? Sin was a loss of that priesthood. Adam began to worship something other than God, worshiping his own ego. But now we see the blind man restored, the blind man recreated. Now is a kind of new Adam who gets down on his knees and he worships the true God. He's come to physical vision, and he's come, more importantly, to spiritual vision. And that's why, friends, this is our story. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers every day, everywhere.